Hi guys, you're listening to B Plus with Braden Zimmer, and this is episode four. And I have on Zach Coben once again, uh, this time just by himself, on this day, the election day in the US. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice to be here. So I guess I'll start by saying, did was there anything that we that you wanted to would have wanted to discuss uh, when we did our first episode with Brendan that we didn't get to? Um, I would have talked about maybe you're a biking man. <laughs> I'd like to know a little more. Like, huh. Why did you start biking? Was it more of a like for money or convenience or what was the reason? Hmm. Uh, originally, my dad was a was a biker. He's a, uh, a garage sailor and a biker, and he had lots of bikes <laughs> growing up or, uh, around the house. So I, uh, yeah, he was always biking. And so I, you kind of get modeled the behavior of your parents. And then, so I was always, I want to go camping. I'd have a bike. We'd bike around. I lived by a school, so we'd bike up there and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I, as I got older, I started to like it more and more as a actual, as an exercise. And when I moved to Calgary, I took a bike with me and then my car didn't pass the inspection in Alberta. Okay. Yeah. So then I had to get rid of it and I only had the bike. So that was my means of purchase, or, uh, transportation Okay. and communication. No. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that was good, except until it got cold. I still tried to, I biked in the snow with a road bike and that was not like at one point I was, I went across the city mm-hmm. and on the way back it was snowing and the gears froze. Oh my! Yeah. Um, so I had, to, and I was kind of far out, and my phone was dying because it was like probably be minus twenty five. Jeez! And it was pretty scary actually. But I ended up calling a cab. Cold, um, Al- cold Alberta winters. Yeah, it was a mistake. Yeah. But now, anyway, so yeah, I thought to myself, oh, I hate, I hate paying insurance, mm-hmm. and cars are expensive. They break down, and it's not. I thought if I can get a nice bike and be within biking distance of my work, I'd be staying in shape and saving a ton of money. Yeah. I actually do find it crazy. Like, there's some people that are paying as much on their cars every month as they do for the place they live. Like, mm. once you have your insurance or your finance or lease payments and your gas, it can be like 600 bucks a month. And I just think it's kind of crazy how many people still have personal vehicles. Do you think that'll change or like what would need to happen for less people to be driving to work every day? Mm. Like, I think it's kind of like a convenience thing. You're going to do whatever is the most convenient for you. Mm -hmm. So if you're living in a city and transportation is more convenient, obviously it's different in COVID times Mm -hmm. because lots of people don't want to take transportation. But yeah, like, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's hard because I think even in in Calgary, when they had had the, I think it's called the C train. I I know it's called the C train. Yeah. (laughs) And it's it's like the SkyTrain in Vancouver. They just kind of you kind of hop on, stamp a ticket if you're going too far. But in the downtown area, town area, it was free, mm-hmm. so you could if you were within walking distance. There were like five stops where all the downtown Calgary business district was that were free, so you could just hop on, hop off. Oh, that's sweet. Actually. Yeah, it was good. What? Um, buses are less convenient, especially in the Definitely, winter, yeah. which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think a lot of it is fitness too. No one like even now. I'm starting to get to the point where I get up in the morning. If it's raining, I think, oh, I don't want... It's such a hassle to throw on the gear yeah. and do the 40-minute bike to work. Definitely. Like, I could only do it for so long. And then, well, yeah, when it's raining every day here mm-hmm. and you're 
showing up to work sweaty and, mm-hmm. and wet, it's like, oh man, this, it is. this kind of sucks. But so there's definitely that. I think also people aren't willing to be put, like, I think sometimes I beg Sasha for her car for the day. She doesn't yeah. need it. But if I didn't have Sasha, I would just still drawn. Yeah. Like, I think if, if you put yourself in a situation where you don't have another option, you'll do it. You'll do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just about having the, having the initial desire to put yourself in the situation. Because I haven't owned a car for probably a year. Almost a year now. Yeah. And it's it's probably, there's probably been a few things where I just don't do them because it's out of my way and I don't have time or, or the energy to bike. But mostly, you just kind of get on with things. Yeah. I find like the daily uh, commuting stuff is fine. Like when you're going to work or you're going to school, it's whatever. But when you're trying to do like stuff with your friends or go play soccer or volleyball or whatever, I find that's when it gets difficult where mm-hmm. it's, you almost lose a little bit of freedom by not having your own car. So we oh, had yeah. a lot of those things going on. It'd be hard to not own one. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's almost, you almost, I almost feel like you can only ask friends for rides to things so often. Yeah. Um, before it's like, okay, do you get a car? Like if you're, if you're asking me for a ride three times a week, yeah. then at that point it's just selfish of you not to get a car and spend the money because you're making demands of me. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt for a while. How long were you biking to work? Uh, well, I didn't have a car for a year and a half. but I never knew that. That was a long yeah. time. Oh, yeah. But I always had like my mom's car when she wasn't, when she didn't need it. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of in the same boat as you where if the car, if her car was here, I was going to use it. Mm-hmm. And, um, for school, I found it much easier to just take the bus cause the bus left pretty much right from my house and yeah. goes straight to school. It goes so. right to the library. But there's almost like this idea of you're like looked down upon for taking <laughs> a bus or something. I don't know if that's in my own head or if it's there, but like, I'm just doing what's most convenient and what's saving me money. But I feel like people are like, Oh, you're taking the bus. Do you want to ride or something? I'm like, no, I take it every day. It's yeah. Not a big deal. I don't know. I think there's the same thing with just not owning a car in general. Yeah. People, it's kind of a joke. People who know me say, oh yeah, Ray doesn't have a car. Like, yeah. It's it's the same thing as someone who, who buys a tiny house mm-hmm. or a tiny home or, or, or considers it. It's like, it's somehow people can't even fathom that you're choosing something. I don't think people have a very good grasp on the less you, the less you buy, mm-hmm. the less you have to work. Like people yeah, just, they just, they just have this like, oh, my parents had a certain quality of life. They owned a large house. They owned newish cars. So yeah. I'm going to, and I'll work as much as I need to, mm-hmm. but let's reverse engineer that. Subtract yeah. what you need, subtract what you can, subtract what you can stand attract, subtracting before, before you even have to work. So like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I like to sometimes look at it as like every time I'm going to make a purchase or whatever my budget will be, just put that into the hours of work that you're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to buy this thing, that's $400. Just look at it as how many more hours of work that's going to be. And then I'm probably going to be like, no, I don't want to work that many hours. <laughs> yeah. It depends. It depends if it's worth it or not. Yeah. And you really get a, a feel for if it's worth it. Yeah. Speaking of tiny homes, what'd you get a tiny home? Uh, I, I was into them. Predictably, I was into them for a while. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The zoning laws make things complicated. Okay. Because you can't just like I couldn't just buy a property and put it on there. Yeah. Um, I think maybe in rural, more rural areas like Jingle Pot. I mean, people, not everyone will know that, but it's sort of like on the outskirts of our city. Mm-hmm. You can, but the zoning laws, at least in BC, aren't very 
um, conducive to, oh, to really? a tiny home. At least yeah, not a mobile one. About it. But I, I don't know. I think I could probably live in a small space, but... I feel like I'd have to have, like, a storage area or trailer or barn as well, though. Like, I don't know. If you had a tiny home and even if you just played sports, what would you do with all of your equipment? I don't know. I, I feel like looking at tiny homes, it'd be hard to have any storage of any kind. Mm. I have too much stuff, but I guess that's part of it. You want to minimalize and go down to the littlest amount of stuff you can have. Mm -hmm. That's def I definitely feel that, but I, I can just think of you right at the top of my head. You ski, right? Yeah. Or is it snowboard? Snowboard. You snowboard days. and you play golf. So yeah. you got the golf bag and the clubs. Like those are the two sports True. with a bunch of things you have to store. So yeah. right off the bat, just because you like those two activities, plus you add a bike to that. Yeah. And if you have your partner and she has just as many things, mm -hmm. then you, yeah, you're getting hooped pretty quickly on tiny house storage. Yeah. But then I just, I'm kind of opposed to the idea of storage units. Okay. Just because I just feel like it's, it's like a counter, a junk drawer or a counter space. Yeah. If it's there, you'll, you'll put stuff in it and on it. What if you had some like super well-organized labeled little storage barn that you built yourself beside your tiny house? Okay. I feel like I could run with that. I agree. But I'd have to give up on my gaming setup. Have to what? <laughs> give up the gaming setup. Oh, uh, yeah. That would be a letdown. Well, I mean, yeah, people, you can design your own tiny house, but how much power does it draw? That's a good question. It's that, over my head. Do you want off the grid or on the grid tiny house? Uh, I feel like I'm not ready to make that jump to off the grid. Yeah, I know. Me neither. I don't know. Composting toilet, all that, oh, yeah. <laughs> all that fun stuff. That would be tough. I would love if I could snap my fingers and have the, or could, if I could buy the ability to make my own tiny house, like as if as if I was in some sort of like game like The Sims where you could just upgrade your character yes. with money. I would totally upgrade my building abilities and mm -hmm. build my own with reused with composted materials for like ten grand. Like people build tiny homes for nothing. Yeah. And then sell them for fifty grand later, or just live in them for ten years. True. And just what? Imagine what you'd be what you'd be saving, paying like if you could build a tiny house for fourteen grand up front, mm -hmm. and then pay nothing for lodging for ten years. Be a ton of money, like a crazy amount, of money. an indescribable amount of money. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm not very good with my hands, <laughs> like making stuff. Mm, no. But did you have any influences when you were younger? Not really. Same. I feel like that's what does it. It, it absolutely is. If you if you if you see someone who's like excited about working with their hands and fixing things, yeah. you become excited. Because uh, even now, I understand the utility of it, but I can't get excited about it because I wasn't excited about it when I was young. Yeah, like I try to get excited to do car fixes mm -hmm. on my cars, and I'll buy a car knowing that I'm gonna have to fix these things. But yep. then when it comes around, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to learn how to do this. <laughs> that's that's extremely relatable. I felt the same way about the bike. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see if self-driving cars come around mm -hmm. and you can start having like, a, I think, did we talk about this before? A fleet. So you could have like a hundred, I guess maybe a thousand self-driving cars in an IMO yeah. that are just constantly like buzzing around place to place. And you could just, you were all connected to a system that could call one to you and go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then it would just buzz the next person. That'd be pretty sweet. Then we wouldn't have to own cars. We could all have nice cycles or scooters or whatever like electric yeah. scooters yeah um and then if you need to, to bring something like if you had to cars have storage space obviously and they protect yeah. you from the elements so if you needed to use one you can use one of the city's cars yeah 
I feel like when, when that comes, people are, we're going to get down to not like way less than half the population owning a vehicle. And that's coming. Yeah. There's lots of car sharing now, mm -hmm. but I don't know how much, it feels like a lot of those companies don't really turn a profit at all. So I feel like unless that changes, I don't know how much it's going to change. Like even, I don't know, I was learning about the car sharing company in Calgary's pulling out. I don't remember which one it was. And I was doing an assignment on this electric car sharing company that was supposed to go into LA and San Francisco. Obviously things have changed in COVID times, but yeah. And they were referencing a lot of other gas powered car sharing companies that are all in the negative. And it's, I guess if they had more people using, that could change. Mm. But it seems like right now, customer demand might not be there i wonder if that's because you're just like you invest in this car up front and then it doesn't get enough use in yeah. however long so you're not even paying because if you have a bunch of debt you have to have a lot of use early enough that you can be paying your your bills true the investment to get the however the fleet of cars yeah who knows i mean uh, there's you know the scooter the scooter business is lime lime scooters bird all those bird yeah. yeah those seem to be thriving i do love those me too they they, in calgary sweet. they're there um, they were not in the winter, but in the summer Yeah, and they're everywhere and you can just hop on and yeah, yeah. it's great. I do know people are like city councils hate that they're all over the streets though, but mm. I think they're sweet. Just yeah, they are. Go to a block, grab a scooter, start ripping down. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun more than it is. It's, it's just as fun as it is useful. Yeah. Um, which is nice, but I guess that's two young people talking. That's true. I bet you if you're 55 or even like 75, probably down the street. People are ripping by you all the time. Yeah. You get annoying, but... But you know what's better than hauling down the street? What? No, they hop on a scooter. Yeah, true. <laughs> I was going to say, get on a scooter or get off the street. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I, I would like to go to Europe for that very reason. I want to see what it's like in the mornings. Like yeah. 8.30 a.m., how many people are cycling? Oh, yeah, Amsterdam was crazy. Oh, it's amazing. Crazy. Bikes everywhere and, mm. like... Where we were, still a lot of people owned a car just because we were a little bit further on the outskirts of mm -hmm. the city. But um, but for their daily commutes, they would still have their bikes. Or when they're going to the grocery store, they have their bikes that have the giant basket thing. Yeah. I forget what those are called. And just and like there wouldn't even be a parking lot at the grocery store because everyone showing up there would either have a bike or they'd be walking. Mm -hmm. So it just leaves so much more potential for space to be used so much better. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see that. And... It's just, but it's built to be that way, right? Mm -hmm. Biking lanes are just as big as the car lanes and the train systems are so good that you could go from anywhere to anywhere in such a good amount of time. Whereas here, it's lots of cities in North America. When you're trying to go from a suburb to, to a suburb, you have to like go downtown first mm -hmm. and then go back out and it takes forever. So it was, when it's built around that, it's definitely pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Be well, hard to change. Not only that, but just the density of the populations of those European cities. That's true. It, I wonder what what multiplier you would have to use when there's just so much. There was just so much space, extra space in Canada when all the cities, when all the cities were being built. Yeah. Like Calgary. Yeah. It's not a place to have just a bike. Let me tell you that right now. Yeah. I couldn't get anywhere. I could get to like one, probably one eightieth of the city was in yeah. bike was in like half an hour biking distance of me because it was just so spread out in the prairies. Yeah. Yeah. All those cities. Why not build them spread out? Like that was the mm -hmm. idea, right? Especially when cars were like were just becoming immensely mm -hmm. popular. All the highway projects and all that were important. Mm -hmm. 
I would like to see more overpasses and less lights on our highways in, oh, on yeah. the island. It's brutal. It's brutal, and that makes it that makes driving even worse. Yeah, and I feel like it'll only get worse. Our cities are just growing. Mm-hmm. It's true. There's just going to be more cars. But yeah, and, but it's hard because every pro- now that it's now that they're built, every every overpass project would be like a millions and millions of dollar project. Yeah. That takes two years, <laughs> like to do one light, and there's yeah. twenty lights between here and Victoria. That's the know. thing; it's way harder to upgrade stuff than it is just to put it in Build the first it. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anything else in uh, on that? Uh, no burning questions. No. <laughs> okay. Um, well, in that case, in honor of uh, not in honor, but just because it's election night and that's all people are talking about, I thought yeah we could discuss a bit about the U.S. Politics, if you're you game, I'm game. Okay, um, I went on Wikipedia. Okay, and I did a little bit of research. I did. I looked through Donald Trump's Wikipedia last night and Joe Biden's Wikipedia. I do love Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's surprisingly, or it's unsurprisingly great because ever since um, grade school, we all kind of knew Wikipedia was the place to get your information. Oh yeah, the teachers didn't really catch on for a while, but Wikipedia is pretty great. Yeah. Pretty reliable, I find, too. I use it so much, yeah. even for school. And then if you need a source, you just click the source things. Yeah, that's the best part, that you can just follow rabbit holes yeah. on Wikipedia. That's true. Um, but I, I thought, you know, for the first time, I think Wikipedia... Maybe Trump is just so bad, but it, it seemed like there was an anti-Trump bias. I can see that. Um, I can see that that would happen. The internet and Trump are an interesting mix. <laughs> it's oil on, oil and water, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to give you some facts about Trump Okay. that are int- I found interesting. I want to see what you think. All right. And uh, at the end, I'm going to make a judgment about who I would vote for if I were in the States. And right. You don't have to if you don't want to, but I'm, I'm going to. So Donald, and I overlooked a lot, like, because Trump has had a litany of problems. Yeah. Um, really obvious uh, with a lot of media coverage. So I tried to dig in on things that aren't as talked about. I'm actually excited for this. So Trump, Trump-owned businesses have seen six bankruptcies okay. during his time. Um, he hasn't had any personal bankruptcies, but businesses he's owned have gone in and out of bankruptcy six times, which is kind of insane for someone. His like he was, I think he was like a hundredth on the Forbes wealthiest oh, wow. U.S. Okay. people at one point. So how are you? I don't understand the logistics of how you can be going bankrupt. But also be in the conversation for like the wealthiest person in the states. Oh, I mean, there's that's intricate. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how many businesses he has. Probably a ton. Probably a ton, right? Mm-hmm. So six might not be so bad. Yeah, so bad. <laughs> I don't know how if he expands a ton and he's got businesses all over. But also, people go bankrupt. I mean, companies go bankrupt, and it's not necessarily the worst thing for. The person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like all the time. Doesn't I, for someone was trying to explain to me how if you have two companies, you can have one company go bankrupt and the other company acquire that company for nothing and then gain back your resources but not have to pay your debts. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know what I'm talking about here. I also do not know. Um, so maybe we should just leave that okay, six yeah. bankruptcies. Yeah. He, I, you probably knew this one. He owned a Miss Uni- the Miss Universe pageant for 20 years. I didn't know, but that's wild. It is wild. It's just a lot of it's 
speaks a lot to his character. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he is the time, type of guy that would own a Miss, what, Miss America, you said? Yeah, Miss, or Miss Universe. Miss Universe. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he really wanted to, wow. he wanted to cast the net wide. That's actually pretty huge. Like, Miss Universe, I would assume, is pretty huge. <sighs> yeah, you know what? I could, I could try to see what it's... What it, um, I wonder what it is. Is there a value, a dollar value on it? I mean, it's broadcasted, so maybe. Here it is. International beauty pageant run by the United States-based Miss Universe organization. It's the largest pageant in the world in terms of TV coverage. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a big deal. So he owned that for 20 years. And he has had three wives, two of which were models, and one of which was an actress. <laughs> so I think that just the combination of those two things really speaks to his moral character. Yeah. Um, which is just... He, what he wants in women is pretty much skin deep, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, if that's what you want and you can, then I can't really hold it against him. Really? I don't know. I mean, if both sides are willing to go or to get married, mm-hmm. sure, one might be in it for monetary value. Yeah. And one might be in it for physical value. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't know. I can't really hold it too too hard against him. You got to wonder what the dynamics of the expectation are. Like, does yeah. he does she go in knowing that she's expected to be a sort of physical gratifier, or is it a um, a reputation thing? Like, does he just want to have a, a hot woman on his arm? Oh, I bet it is a lot to do with reputation. Mm. Like, he seems like the type of guy that cares a ton about reputation, and yeah, oh. throughout. Like way before the presidency, he would have cared even just as much. Yeah, as he's trying to grow all his businesses, and he has such a big TV like persona. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think a lot of people with big TV personas, it's not unexpected for them to have a trophy wife, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I feel like just for us, because we don't really think that way i assume well i just think it's you have to know going in or maybe he doesn't but yeah it's not going to be a good like in terms of all the relationships you could strike up you don't want one that's based on attract like physical attraction purely well maybe it's more than that <laughs> well it seems convenient that it he does has, seem convenient through the if there's two jobs that you need to be hot for yeah it's beauty pageant and actor or actress like there's yeah. just no more there's no other jobs that you need a higher level of physical attraction Definitely. And so it's, it just seems odd that of all three wives, he <laughs> chooses them in those two uh, fields. Anyway, it's enough said about that. All right. So I think, when was conscription ended in the U.S.? Um, from people, conscription no is when uh, people are mandatorily entered into military service. Um, so it's required of them for, four, I think it's like four years. Well, it must have been there for Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, it's 1973. When the, when the United States Armed Forces moved to an all-voluntary military. So is that at the end of Vietnam? I don't even know, man. I don't know either. And that's, sorry, forgive us for not knowing that, guys. But yeah. So it's in 73. So they Trump was going through school before that. Okay. And he... Uh, what was, how did I say? He deferred military service four times in college and then got himself classified as unfit to serve due to bone spurs. When he, came out of, yeah, when he came out of college. Okay. So he does not have a history of, of courage. Um, yeah. Now, 
I shouldn't say... I, I mean, I would probably try to avoid war, obviously. But, but pardon me? I find that actually really interesting because I would assume uh, Republican voters would almost look down upon that. You, that, that courage is a huge value for conservatives yeah. or Republicans. Whereas lots of Democratic Republicans Democratic uh, voters mm. might almost agree well, in a way that they didn't like the Vietnam War. Funny you should say that because Biden also uh, deferred, <laughs> deferred from the military all throughout college. Yeah. And he was classified as unfit due to asthma when he got out of college. So both presidential candidates all right. did whatever they could to avoid being drafted. Yeah. That's, I found it mm. really interesting, actually, especially because Biden that, yeah. was pro-conscription. Early on in his career. Really? Yeah. He was he described himself as conservative on abortion and conscription. Hmm. <laughs> I know. Wow. Yeah, bit of a bit of a hypocrite in that sense. I feel like a lot of people with money probably did try to avoid it though. Yes. That's true. But when you're running for election That's the thing. Trump is the first president with no prior military or government service. Wow. Mm-hmm. So well, it's common. I haven't heard much about that, which mm-hmm. is crazy. I feel like that's a big deal. Well, because you heard of Tulsi Gabbard? No. I think she... I think... Is it, is it Tulsi Gabbard's her name? She was uh, one of the candidates for the Democrats. Okay. And she went on Joe Rogan, so that's how I know her. Um, nice. But she is like 30-something, just old enough to, to be in the running, and she's already a veteran. Mm-hmm. She's pretty badass, and I would have voted for her a, a million times over before Biden or Trump. Yeah. She was the best candidate that I um, heard speaking, but she, uh, no, she was not tameable. By the system, <laughs> I think actually is, is a big reason why they would Not go. Not tameable. By the, what is that? Like mean? you can't. I think Bi- the thing that makes Biden so great is that he's pretty much just you'll do what you want as a yeah. In terms of the people who are actually in power behind the scenes in the states, give him the talking points. Exactly he'll the talking points. Mm-hmm. Well, he'll try or he'll he'll stumble his yeah. way through the talking points. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't fair. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but he's he's not going to raise hell. Yeah. In in office, hmm. whereas someone young. And idealistically um, opposed to a lot of what politics is currently has, has become is not someone you want to let into the definitely not political machine. No. So people, I'm sure, powers the be would do everything they could to not let her in. Yeah, I do find it crazy that I feel like both the candidates don't really. Uh, I feel like a lot of people don't really like the two candidates that are running for the presidential election. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've heard one person. Okay, there are some people who love Trump. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I can see... The reason I think he has so much love is because he's so anti what politics has been for the last yeah. however many years. But I haven't heard many people say, I just love Trump or I just love Biden. Like, yeah. I haven't heard in that conversation, I haven't heard a lot of good reasons. As, like, Obama was someone people actually loved. Yeah. And they could really make an argument for why they liked him. Definitely. Yeah. So it is a bad election in that, in that respect. Plus, they're all... Trump was the oldest, so whoever wins this is also going to be the oldest president Wow! in history. Because what's Biden, 78? That's crazy. He's, he's rounding 80. He's going in for a term if he wins, and he's rounding 80. Anyways, um, so yeah. How old do you have to be to become a president? Isn't there like a minimum age? I think it's 35. Wow, how do we end up? Minimum. That's 78. Presidential age. 35. And would, you have to be a resident of the States for 14 years, which, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Would you ever want to be a politician? Me? Yeah. No. No. Why? 
Uh, I just think you'd get so frustrated by it. Here's the thing. The checks and balances in the system are what, exactly what we need yeah. to prevent any one person from affecting too much negative change. Okay. But it also prevents any one person from affecting too much positive change. Yeah. So it's just like there's a million things keeping you from actually seeing your goal brought to fruition. And that would be so frustrating. Like, just look at Biden. What has Biden accomplished in his 60 years of political uh, career? Not, not a whole lot. Not a lot. Mm. But do you have any want to ever be, to have fame? Like, does that interest you in any way? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be, I think, I don't know a lot of people, I don't know a lot of honest people who could, <laughs> who could say that they would, if you could flip a switch and, and they, their name would be known by 100,000 people across North America. Yeah. And that's a very conservative number. Yeah. To say 5 million. I mean, it'd be pretty nice, at least to see, if not flip the switch and have that happen. Um, but I think once you get it, would you want to keep it? I'm skeptical. Uh, I don't know. I, there is like an element of I, you want to be remembered in a way. Yes. Like for me, like after I die or whatever, it'd be mm-hmm. cool to be remembered for more than just the 50 years your family remembers you or however long it's going to be. Do you think that'll change once you actually have physical kids? Oh, I don't know. I feel like that it's only a little bit that I think that it's not enough to be like, I'm going to go out there and try my hardest to become famous. But there is just an element of it would be cool to be remembered. But I don't know if it would be cool to be remembered in a negative way. But I might. Oh, no. In in a certain way, I would still like it. I don't know why. You take it over nothing? Yeah, maybe. That might sound crazy. It doesn't sound crazy at all. But to an extent, I don't want to be Hitler, <laughs> you know? No. Well, the thing is, that's why you get people who do high-profile shootings and killings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to make some mark on this world. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a sad, that's a sad thing. I don't know. I, I would, I'd rather become famous for something else. Yeah. Like, if I could, I'd rather have a podcast uh, on which 100,000 people listened then be in the media scene, be in politics. I agree. I'd rather be a athlete. I mean, that'd be, well, be sweet. Would that be your ideal rather than, would you not want to be like a professional gamer or some sort of uh, gaming commentator? I feel like professional gamer is too much work. Like you, you have to be playing games at all times. And mm. I don't know, I feel like I'd rather be doing something physical for your body. Like if you're playing sports, you're working out every day. Mm-hmm. You're healthy and you're and you're famous and you're making money and you're doing something like being a professional soccer player would be sweet. It'd be so much fun. That's it's interesting. Like I I see that, but but part of me is like then that's all you do. Like yeah. any kind of, any metric on which you want to rise to the top of all humans is mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna have to devote so much of your energy source into that. You just don't have anything left to be a well-rounded person. Like how really? can how many athletes do you think have? This might be not a popular opinion. Okay. But how many athletes do you think have really rich family lives? A lot of them, when they get older, maybe, and they when they're like thirty three, they realize, oh shit, I'm gonna like my family is becoming more important. I'm gonna retire a year or two earlier than I actually could. Yeah. But you don't see a lot of twenty year old athletes who seem well mannered and like family men. That's true. You could disagree. I sense there's a little bit of hesitation. Hmm. Probably. I don't know. I, I, 
I almost look at athletes as having a lot of off time because you can't put your body through too much physical stuff every day, right? So I think a lot of athletes would have a lot of time where they could spend time with their family if they chose. Obviously, some sports you have games every day, like in multiple states or whatever. But like, I don't see why not if you're playing football mm. and you have a game every week, you couldn't be a devoted family man. You're right. It's funny because you were thinking football, which is what, eight yeah. games a year, right? Or something like that? 16 and then 16. playoffs. And I was thinking hockey, which yeah. is 82 games a year. A yeah. lot of that time spent on the road. And then a brief, I think it's, is it four months of summer? But two months in, you have to go back to training camp. Yeah. So it's like, but I guess most people don't have that much free time outside of their work. It's just the traveling would wear. Definitely. Would wear on you because you're just not in physical proximity with your family. Yeah, the traveling would be tough. All right. Oh, next one. Um, okay, this one is um, about his, what he's done. So he withdrew from the U.S. Trans-Pacific Partnership trade negotiations, the Paris Agreement on climate change, and the Iran nuclear deal. Yep. So people don't like any of those things. <laughs> it's not, not, none of those things are, at least in Canada, very, perceived as very popular. Yeah. Um. I started to learn a little bit of the reasons why he did that stuff. Okay. And it seemed like it was a, a lot of his voter base doesn't like the idea that the U.S. spends a lot of money to protect other countries when they don't get a lot in return, mm -hmm. especially when there's not really any chance of war. or well, There is a chance of war, but not a high chance of war right now. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like when he was coming into office, the idea was to get rid of a lot of agreements that the U.S. was losing money on. Yeah. And I could almost back the idea. I don't think going for the climate change yeah. one is ideal. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the defense ones make sense in my mind. I agree. I, I think climate change is one where you kind of have to be a leader on that yeah. one. Like you kind of have to be like, you kind of have to be the, the country who says, we have a lot to lose here, but we're going we're gonna to do it because this is important. Yeah. We'll lead by example. But the, the States has a horrible, horrible reputation in almost everywhere other than the States. Yeah. They get a horrible rap for, you can make allegations about their foreign affairs and their foreign intervention being uh, corrupt. Mm -hmm. But realistically, they were, they looked around the world, they saw tragedy and they tried to prevent it. Like they saw atrocity. Yeah. And they get nothing but hate for that. For, and it gets thrown away as entirely motivated by greed. Where I don't think that's the case at all. And especially the people who are actually on the ground. Yeah, are there to, to, to defend innocent people who are being, who are defenseless otherwise. True. I think you can't just continue to protect. At some point you have to say, no, it's not okay that everyone's talks about the states as being morally corrupt and, and a horrible power for evil in the world and still expect to be protected by the states. Yeah. I agree. I do think their boot was pretty big, where they maybe were a little overimposing in some in lots of areas. Agreed. But I mean, they were the biggest power in the world when it came to military, and I do think they tried to help other places. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, I can see where they're coming from. Where they don't want to do that anymore because why would you when you're just going to get a bad rep for it anyway? Mm -hmm. But I think Trump also 
uh, has the idea that he doesn't care as much about what uh, like foreign countries would think about them. Um, whereas like Biden, on the other hand, uh, when he comes in office, wants to repair a lot of um, alliances and stuff. I think Trump doesn't actually care about those alliances, even if they're negative. Because, I mean, there isn't much reason for him to care. Does that make sense? Because his vote doesn't hang in the balance? Well, because, yeah, like, what are they off? What is having a positive relationship with another country offering him besides, like, trade? So if he isn't really losing anything for other countries having a negative relationship anymore, then why have a positive one? Yeah, I mean, I I see that I see his rationale there. I think that's a bad long term goal, uh, long term. I think so too. Policy, but I don't know. I'm not convinced that he's. I'm not convinced that he's as awful. Like we, we I don't really. I have no. The only thing I get about his foreign his foreign interactions are from the media. Yeah, and I can't really trust anything I hear about Trump. To be honest, I'm kind of in this. I think the reason that people are so. People have kind of just shut off what they hear about Trump. Mm-hmm. Because they kind of know that it, you're either you're just going to hear all negative things, yeah. So it's impossible to tell the truth because there's no. Well, I think it's crazy interesting right now because like Trump will say something right, mm-hmm. and that statement will be given to all the news outlets, and your right wing news news outlets will run with that exact statement, and it'll be taken positively because it'll be taken serious, mm-hmm. and then. All your left-wing news outlets will play the same, or will give the same statement, but they'll go negatively about it because, oh, this was a lie, um, or this is not what we want. So I just think it's like everything he says is so polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, even if, like, yeah, just it'll be loved on one side and hated on the other side every time. Mm-hmm. And I do agree, though. Like, I get most of my news all off of Reddit, and Reddit is super anti-Trump it feels like so it's like i do know that what he's saying are lies but it's at the, at the same time it's you know if i keep hearing my same news from the same outlet how long before you know i'm pigeonholed in mm-hmm. to what they tell you yeah and i funny because so many people i'll say i don't think trump gets anything close to a fair shake in media yeah and they'll say i don't look at regular media i look at reddit and yeah. people have this idea that reddit is really neutral I don't no. have it, so I don't know. But you think you perceive it as being a left-wing, yeah. like, like shifting left rather than being pretty equal in terms of political affiliation. Yeah, like the news articles that are posted are, I would say, are pretty neutral. But the majority of people that are going to be on Reddit are mostly going to be looking at comments. That's just what people do on Reddit. You maybe look at the title of the post, you don't read the post, and then you look <laughs> at the comments to see people's reactions. Interesting. And the comment base. I would say is way more left wing. So even if it's a neutral post, it's going to get more upvotes if it's anti-Trump. Mm-hmm. And then it's so even if everything being posted is neutral, the things that are going to rise to the top are going to be pretty left wing. I find that happens too for for environmental stuff because like yeah. I hear a lot of people like there's just unlimited bad stories or, or stories that when taken in themselves spell doom mm-hmm. for the environment and I feel like Reddit would be a space on which 
people just sort of get into this get in this wormhole of everything is ending. It and definitely feels that way. Because wasn't there a Reddit r slash collapse? Isn't that a popular one? Possibly, I don't know. I have a friend who who's okay. constantly um, referring to r slash collapse. <laughs> what do you think? What do you expect from that news source? Yeah, it's of called r slash collapse. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I think that's pretty much all our, our expertise will allow us to say on that, which is not very much. Yeah, I wish I was more informed. But it's impossible to be informed in everything. It is. It's it's almost like when I come on the podcast. I want to speak the things that I know, mm-hmm. but I'm so worried all the time because I don't know everything about a subject mm-hmm. that I don't even want to dive into the subject because I won't know enough to really back it up, mm-hmm. you know? When I first started with Broadview, which is a publishing company, yep. basically when people, and this is related to what you just said, it's just an anecdote, mm-hmm. um, basically when you acquire a book, if we say it's a collection of stories, we have to get permission from the author of each story to put it in the book. Yep. So we have someone who's called the permissions editor. Maybe that's not the correct title, but she's, she's in charge of permissions. Okay. So she contacts people saying, hey, can we use this? We'll pay you X amount of money. And she had framed on her desk this uh, plaque saying, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And it's kind of funny because she's a permissions yeah, yeah. editor. <laughs> and at first I thought, I walked in, I thought, are you kidding me? The permissions <laughs> editor? has a plaque saying it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. That could get us in so much trouble. But then I realized, I think that's applicable in a lot of ways because if you're, you kind of just got to be honest if you're wrong and not, if you're wrong, you're wrong. If people don't, if people are like, hey, Braden, you're full of shit on this podcast. Yeah. If it comes to my attention that I'm wrong, I'll apologize for it. Yeah. But you kind of just have to go for it, I think. All right. That's better to ask for forgiveness. You know? All right. Forgive me, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't ask for forgiveness first. You have to to commit the the wrong first. Here's an interesting one. Trump's father died in 1918 mm-hmm. of the flu pandemic. Yeah. So. Isn't that crazy? Because of COVID? I think that's insane because. Just the getting, flu, hey? Just the normal. No, I think it was. I think that's the Spanish flu. Oh, the Spanish. Oh, wow. I think. Is it, is yeah. it 1918 or 1917 that was the Spanish flu? I feel like it's probably, probably on it. Uh, yeah, 1918. So he died. Trump's dad died of the last major <laughs> pandemic. And wow. And so here people are. I, I, who knows that? Probably not many people. No, I And didn't he's know. been personally affected by pandemics. It's, and people act as if he's like cavalier, he has nothing to lose. His dad died in a pandemic. And he got COVID. And he got COVID. Wow. I know. So it's, but you don't hear a single shred of empathetic news around that. All you hear is Trump was, he was out putting his cat. Uh, drivers in danger. Yeah, he probably didn't never had it. He's lying. He, you, he gets all the best treatment. What a what a privileged person. Like, yeah, his dad died of it, and then he got it. If Biden got it, it'd be like the world is crying. At least the media would portray that way. You know, it's like, oh, poor Biden. And I saw a news coverage that said Biden worried that Trump put him in danger after Trump test positive with COVID after a debate. And it's like Trump is the one with COVID. How are, yeah. how are you making Biden the victim here? Hmm. I got fired up there for a second. Yeah, I feel like it's impossible for people to be empathetic because they just hate him so much. Mm-hmm. You know? And understandable. I mean, he's kind of not a good guy. Like, in terms of... Yeah. If, if I look at the people in my life that I respect, there's, no, there's not a Trump figure there. There's no. not someone I can map onto Trump. Mm-mm. There's people I can map onto Obama. 
Mm-hmm. But there's no one I can map on Trump, which I think people just correctly, incorrectly identify that. He's not respectable. Yeah. Well. Um, and the last one. Oh, two more for Trump. Then I got Biden. All right. Trump's tax returns from 1985 to 1994, so a 9- to 10-year period, show net losses of $1.17 billion. Oh. <laughs> wow. So I guess that why that's why he hasn't paid much tax because he's somehow, as I say, super high on the not super high on the Forbes list, but on the Forbes most wealthiest people in the states list. Yeah, and yet his taxes in the, the epoch of that wealth show a net loss of one point seven billion, one point one seven. Sorry, I just fully don't understand how that is even possible. Yeah, I agree. Right, like mm-hmm. how is that personal net loss? How is that? I think it's I think it's his personal. But what the heck? It's funny because evidently the loopholes are there because you basically all he did is hire the best tax person available yeah. and say, "Let me pay the least money." Yeah. Which any self-interested actor would do. Yeah. Like if you listeners out there, <laughs> if you had billions of dollars and every percent was like a huge amount of money, the every percent of tax you pay was a huge amount of money, mm-hmm. and it. And you could save billions by hiring the best tax person to get you to, to operate within the law to get you the most amount of money off. You would. You're de- you're gonna do it. You're, de- you're gonna do it. And Even I- if you don't have billions of dollars, if you've got a million dollars, you're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna find the best investments mm-hmm. to protect yourself from tax. So, them doing it as well isn't really criminal as long as it's not against the law. Mm-hmm. But I think what people say is that. He is breaking the law. And that's what all the uh, impeachments are about. And mm-hmm. show your show us your tax returns and or your receipts and all that because it's well believed that he is breaking the law. Oh, well, if he's breaking the law, I'm, I'm totally... I hate that. I also hate that. <laughs> that's unequivocal in my opinion. But I do think it's crazy that like the biggest businessmen and the, the biggest companies in the U.S. seem to pay very little, if at all, any tax. Mm. Um, just because they have the power to do so. And that's based around that. Why would Congress people change that when they're receiving cuts from the companies? Exactly. Which exactly. is a crazy thing in my mind. The bigger the, you get, that you get, the least amount of tax you're going to pay is kind of crazy. And a lot of it has to do with all these... Like, I kind of understand... Basically, tax breaks, what they're doing is incentivizing wealthy people just to put money back into the community. Yep. So you get tax breaks for starting new businesses. You get tax breaks for uh, charitable donations. But I think we'd be better off if we just simplified it all and just had no tax breaks. Yeah. Just you pay a certain percentage based on what you earn and you have no breaks. Then you have um, just the idea of you have to decide whether the government is more responsible or people are more responsible and institutions are more responsible with the money. Because if you have it that way, then the government decides everything to do with all of the tax money, right? If they're not giving tax breaks for giving to charities Mm -hmm. or giving to whatever, Mm -hmm. then the government has all the tax money and they have to make the decisions to be charitable. Mm and I think a lot of people would have the belief that the government isn't trustworthy, especially in the U.S. They have a super low 
rate for people that trust the government mm-hmm. uh, compared to a lot of the other biggest countries. Mm-hmm. And so for it to go that way would, I don't know, would take a change in people's beliefs of what the government is good for. I think you can have it both. I think you could have basically rely on, I mean, maybe it's naive, but rely on individuals to kind of step it up, like reduce, you get less of a tax. If you lower taxes, yep. no breaks, Okay. government makes less money and does less for us. Okay. I, I want, I want, I'm with the people in the States. I want control out of the government's hand. Here's the thing. If you ask people in the States and Canada, do you trust your government? Yeah. They'll say no. I don't think that's true for Canada. For a lot of people. Oh, that's... Really? But, it's, but the thing is, Trudeau is... Like, he's been involved in all these scandals where he's paying his own family and stuff a bunch of money and, and the contracts he's... So you don't trust Trudeau, but I think people do trust our government. Oh, interesting. Um, On a way higher scale. Wow. I guess actually, I never considered I, that. Um, I don't remember what I... Uh, I remember researching this for some reason. Okay. And Canada was in line with European countries or not much below whereas the US was way lower hmm. like people really don't trust the government but anyway go on well I was just going to walk through the, the contradiction of well maybe I'll put it a different way do you do you believe that society and government are patriarchal structures that are quote unquote systemically racist a lot of people wow. would say yes do you are you in favor of increasing the amount of money you pay those institutions to try and mitigate racism. And they'd say yes. Yeah. So basically there's there's they're agreeing that yes, these institutions, government, they're race they're intrinsically racist, as a lot of people would agree these days. Yeah. And we're gonna fix that by paying those institutions more money. Yeah. Hmm. But in a way then you're expecting them to hire better people that would improve it like i just remember thinking about this with uh the police structure as well where there was a idea of uh police should be funded less oh. during all the riots yep. and or protests sorry and uh but in my mind like if we if you're funding the police less uh are you gonna have less like Worse policemen? Yes, you are. Right? Undoubtedly. So is that really the answer? Or maybe if you are funding more than you're then you could have better like less racism. Yeah. I but it's optimistic, well, maybe. The more funding you give police, the more training you get. Yeah. The more qualified people the, the less stressed out people are gonna be when under these high stress situations and the more the more their natural reaction is gonna be what we want. Yeah. Which is calmness and Mm-hmm. It's just the results of being trained are, are, I mean, you can't you can't even debate them. No, of course. The higher, the more training you get, the more the better cops you're gonna have. Yeah. Um, there's something Biden actually has an interesting thing. Uh, oh, yeah. I, there's a point on here where it has to do with Biden and the, and the police force, but that's right. for the end. Um, yeah, I don't know. We we'll leave that for now. But I yeah, I th- I definitely think there's a contradiction between the way people view the. Go- I, I'm a little bit less optimistic than you are about how people would view the government if pushed. Yeah. I think people, a lot of people have a natural distrust for the system as it is. I think so. But yet they still trust it with their money to fix their problems. People just kind of abdicate responsibility, I feel. Hmm. And they don't realize the contradiction. Yeah. Yeah. I they just don't that. think about it thoroughly enough, I don't think. Yeah. 
and this isn't everyone, it's just people who, on one hand, don't would, would say they don't trust the government, on the other hand, are in favor of tax increases to cover sort of social programs. Yeah. Anyways, that's getting, um, I don't know how, how interested people will be in that. Um, last point on Trump is, from his inauguration until the end of 2019, he spent, this is an estimate, around one of every five days at one of his golf clubs. I have seen this. Mm, isn't that insane? I do love it. No. <laughs> As a golfer, you can, you can support that? No, definitely not. I mean, I thought it was higher than that, actually. I remember being so much steeper than previous presidents. Well, that's twenty percent of his. That's twenty percent of his. Okay, days. that's that is super high. That is real. Twenty percent of his time is spent on the golf course. Yeah. Um. Well, no, that's that's he's he was at a golf days. course at some point in the day. Yeah. And twenty percent of the day, so it's not twenty percent of his time, but still, it's an incredible amount for someone who's leading the country. Yeah, definitely. And that's because he's reti- like he's someone who's retirement age, who should be on the on the course <laughs> two out of five days at least. But he's running the country for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, that's just that's more comical than how much time is he spending on Twitter? Yeah. Okay. One out of five days <laughs> on the golf course. Two out of five days on Twitter. That's one out of five days having rallies for his next election, and then one out of five days tackling the issues <laughs> of the presidency. Okay. Now to Biden. All right. Um, I will admit it was harder to find. Uh, Biden is a much more tidy. He keeps his life in a more tidy way. He's less critiquable. Okay. Um, I can see that. But I went straight for. <laughs> I went. I started with his his schooling. Okay. He wasn't a strong student. Interesting. He, he tried. To, he reported that he was. He graduated with honors, but he actually had a C average in his undergraduate degree. Okay. And then he went to law school, but he was ranked 76th out of 85 students. All right. So I did hear about this when during the first debate. Oh, did you? When Trump um, Trump went at him for this. Oh, what, what was that? Uh, oh, man. That was like, what, a month ago? I can't remember exactly, but I remember him going after the whole, I graduated with honors and... It, and top of my class and mm. when he was nowhere actually near no which is definitely interesting but that was harvard law yeah i think oh i or i, I don't think it was Princeton. harvard law oh anyway um where did actually biden but yeah it's crazy that he would state those things when they're not true but that's yeah it, just, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't bode well for him um syracuse university college of law Wow, I was, so, I was a little off. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never heard of that. No, I mean, so yeah. it's so he was he wasn't anywhere near the top school, and then he was at the bottom of his class. I mean, here's the thing: hmm. Pe- I'm not saying I'm not denigrating him for not performing well. I'm denigrating him for saying he performed well. Yeah, you know. Um, anyway, as I said, he received draft deferments in school, and then and got himself uh, classified as unfit due to asthma. And I wonder how many people. <laughs> had asthma in the military around that <laughs> like probably a lot. Yeah. In nineteen seventy four, he described himself as conservative on abortion and conscription. Nineteen seventy four. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting. Conscription because he avoided the draft. And that is the year after conscription was taken out. Oh yeah, I guess I guess he probably was anti the removal of conscription conscription yeah. then. Yeah. But I think Times have changed. I can see his opinion changing. Agreed. I think, uh, I think, uh, what's that? 30, 
Whoa, 74. 47 years? Wow, man. That's a long time ago. You know what? We'll give you a pass on that one, old bud. Yeah. But here's here's a different one that I won't give him a pass on. 1993 okay. now, so 30 years ago, right. not even, he voted for a provision that deemed homosexuality incompatible with military life. So he voted for gay people not being able to serve in the military. All right. And then in 1996, he voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, which prohibited the federal government from recognizing same-sex marriages. Hmm. It almost strikes me like he is voting for whatever he's told to vote for. Whatever's the leading, whatever's, the, that's what I wanted, to, what I was hoping people would understand here is, yeah, he's just kind of changing with the times. Yeah. He's, he's just, whatever, he's a mirror reflecting back the popular opinion on the people. Yeah. I guess that's what a politician is. Well, not all of them. No, definitely not. I shouldn't say that, but that, uh. What was the one in 1996, sorry? 1996, he voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, which, among other things, prohibited the federal government from recognizing same-sex marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, it was much more common to be, to be anti-same-sex marriage yeah. at that point in time. But I just don't see... I'm looking at him now, standing up there, as if he was this, has always been this champion for LGBTQ... I don't know the acronym now, but as if he's been this champion for for the underprivileged class yeah. for his whole life. And yeah, then you look back and see in, in the late 19... It, just before the 2000s, he was... In 1996, he was voting for uh, against same-sex marriage. And he was always Democrat, right? At the very beginning, he described himself as conservative, but okay. uh, he was Democrat after that. Hmm. Um, and he was Democrat at this point. And this is probably the most important thing I uncovered because he was he's very much... Oh, he. We need accountability in the police force. Yeah. Yada yada yada. So he, he was a chief proponent of the law enforcement officers' bill of rights. Wow. And this okay. is a bill that makes it more difficult to discipline or remove bad police officers. What? Even when they're convicted, when they're convicted felons. What? And this bill was supported by the police union. So, because the thing is, Democrats like they, they want the union's support, right? Yeah. So police unions who represent the individual police officers were in favor of this and the police chiefs were pleading with the government not to do this because it makes it harder for the police chiefs to discipline bad police officers wow i know see this is crazy this is actually that's actually insane how have i never heard of that i know and i feel like that shows just how much where i get my news from almost because the oh, trump ones were i feel like i knew all of them and then you didn't know any of these I, biden I ones i didn't know any of the biden ones and this is yeah it's it's on it's so it's on Wikipedia. Yeah. Yet, the mainstream news coverages don't, they don't, like, that's a big thing. <laughs> that's wild. It is really, like, and just, that's so, basically, it gave the police, it gave police officers greater than citizen levels of protection. Yeah. So, at one point, they just had the same amount of protection that citizens had, but with this Bill of, of Rights, they were granted more due process. Yeah. And it, would be, it became harder to, to remove them. So, is he running on changing that exact thing oh i don't know i well basically I've, i listened to some of the debates yeah and what he was saying was we need more accountability yeah we need um, so kind of yeah well basically he's not giving any specifics right he's just he's just saying oh this was a tragedy we need to change it well of course tell me someone who doesn't agree that we need police accountability yeah even the cons- most conservative of the conservatives will say convicted felons should not be on the force true yeah, but yeah that's you what i expect 
Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope. I'm optimistic that's the case. Huh. Yeah. And so after this, like, I, I went in, my, my own political leanings aren't progressive. Yeah, um, me neither. So I went into this probably unhappy with both. I'm unhappy with Trump as a leader of the party. Yep. I'm not unhappy with the Republican Party. That's exactly how I feel, actually. And I'm happy. I'm unhappy with Biden and the Democratic Party. Yeah. But after this, I'm really unhappy with Trump as a person. So it's hard because I, I would almost vote Biden. I would. Just because of how horrible Trump is as yeah. a, his values. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually don't think there's a... I'm ambivalent about his, his actual... What he's done in his four years. I don't think he... I don't look at his four years and say... He's done bad thing after bad thing. Yeah, if there's anything that I just am against, it's the whole anti-believing in climate change. Mm. Like, I really hate that, that he just denies <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, I think the more time we waste not taking a better stance on climate change, the worse it's going to get. Mm. And I, just on that alone, would be too much of a bother for me to vote for him Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I agree with that and I also agree with you can't have a leader like a leader is someone you look up to and you you want to emulate and I just like if you put a Trump like figure as as the captain of a sports team that sports team's not going to thrive true if you put that leader if you put him in the classroom the students aren't going to be disciplined well articulated good mannered students they're just not going to be so on that yeah, on that basis, it'd be really hard to vote to write his name down. Well, what if you were ignoring the leaders, which obviously that's unrealistic, but mm-hmm. if you were ignoring the leaders, what party would you vote for? Republican. Republican? Yeah. I honestly don't really know their platforms very well, but I don't know. I... Like, what's the reason you would vote Republican? I'm very skeptical of of the validity of racial bias training. I'm very skeptical of um, forms of oh, what's the what's the word when you're like you say a, co- a college picks has a certain amount of people of uh, different sort of backgrounds they can have in. I don't know. Affirmative word, action. Affirmative action. Okay. I'm 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 a little bit skeptical of affirmative action, and I'm skeptical of that whole that sort of whole wing of current politics. Okay. And that's something that I don't want to see where that goes with four years of a democratic mm-hmm. party being in power. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I I think I I, I make that decision less. I also have. I'm also heavily influenced by. The main consideration is the amount of power government has. I yep. I want less government governmental power. I think you want less governmental power. I do. See, I almost love a majority. Oh no, I'm not talking. I'm not talking majority. I'm talking. I want the government to have less power over our lives. Okay. Yeah. And I think. But I would think that Republican government would want more power of our lives. Am I wrong there? Um, I think re- power... I'm considering power as sort of regulation. Okay. So the more things government takes into its own control. So basically, government says, I'll provide you with health care. 
you pay me. Yeah. The government says, I'll provide you with uh, universal basic income, but mm-hmm. you pay like you pay me. You know, like it's yeah. give us more and more and more and more of your money and we'll provide the services you need. Whereas I'm more on board with keep a big percentage of your money and do with it as you please. Okay, I see. That's interesting because it seems like Democratic uh, Party would be all about human rights and personal freedom. But mm-hmm. I guess that's not really true. Not now. Yeah. It once was. Yeah. Hmm. So would your votes change because of the party leaders? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I honestly can tell you, I don't know if I would vote if I were in the States. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I don't I, I don't particularly like either leader. I probably like, I dislike, I think Biden is a snake. <laughs> I think he is morally corrupt in different ways that just aren't as publicized. Yeah. I don't think people, I don't think... I don't construe Biden as a saint and, and Trump as a devil, but I think they're both bad options. But I, th- I still, I don't know. It's I, a tough question. Yeah. I, it's a really tough question. I don't know how I would answer Or I do know how I'd answer it. I'd probably still vote Biden. I, I don't think I would want to see another four years of Trump in office. Yeah. It's also, it also is the point where you just kind of get tired of him being in the news all the time. <laughs> There's definitely that. Like maybe just have someone who's a bit lower profile. But is that a good reason to base your vote? It's because you're tired of seeing someone in the news? Maybe. You know what? I think I would... I'm deciding. I would vote Democrat. I think I'd vote Democrat because I'm... Uh, you just... I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy, proponent of voting for the party, not the per, uh, leader. Yeah. But in this case, the leader's <laughs> so against a lot of what I stand for as a person. Yeah. I agree. Hmm. Two, two Biden voters here. I think we're, where we live, it's, we're two among many. That's true. And actually, until this until last night, when I went through Trump's page, yeah. Wikipedia page, I wouldn't have been able to say, I think I probably would have voted Republican. Really? Um, just because I... And in BC, I voted liberal. Mm-hmm. Did you vote? I didn't. I would have voted liberal. Yeah? Yeah. Liberal's not... Liberal, liberal's conservative I was, in BC. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was really... Uh, indecisive of if I wanted to vote liberal or NDP Mm -hmm. so I didn't vote and then uh, I was at work all day during the Mm. voting day wait a sec you you get you get a voting break I know I just hadn't decided but there is something about what your bosses will think if you actually act on that take that right you know I could have went before work as well yeah it's not like I didn't have the option Mm-hmm. Or mailed in. I could have done anything if I wanted to. I just hadn't decided who I wanted to vote. There was parts of both that I really liked. Um, like I wanted to vote liberal, but after I, I read their platform and like a lot of things were great, okay. but it was also like this is actually impossible. None of these things are really going to happen. Well, like, can you give me an example? Um, well, there was a lot of things about they were going to spend more. Because they're going to do ten dollar a day, or ten dollar a week healthcare. I mean, daycare, right? Okay. The conservatives or the liberals, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there was, there was more things like that where, or more, um, where there would be more money from our taxes being used for 
that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, or just like ideas that would cost money. Lots of ideas that would cost tax money. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they wanted to take out the 7% PST. Mm. So I was like, I just couldn't really understand why or how it would be possible for us to be paying less taxes mm-hmm. and for us to have all these things that they're trying to say that they would do. Yeah. Um, that, that's the case. Oh, oh, that's really the case. Oh, uh, yeah, all with, the time. There's a lot of promises being made. I watched a, a debate. Oh, who was it? It was Reagan versus Mondale. And it okay. was 1984. Wow. Like it. And they were totally getting into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. And he was, or they were talking, they were talking in detail about the balancing of the budget. They were talking in detail about debt and really giving the American people a lot of credit for being able to, to stick with them on these things. Yeah. And you just don't see that. You just see now it's like there's these kind of vague allusions to debt, but yeah. no one understands it. Mm-hmm. And it's not really, it doesn't actually jump. The only thing people are making their votes on is how, how compassionate are this person's, like how... How much compassion is this person displaying in their speech? Yeah. You know, like, who cares more about the disenfranchised? Well, do you think that's valuable? Is, like, how well someone publicly speaks uh, in the debates? Do you think that's valuable as a... Because I think a lot of people, or I've heard a lot of people base their vote pretty much solely on that. Especially on our provincial elections. They were basing their vote on how well the that they liked the the leader and how they spoke mm-hmm. um, I don't know I, I don't see that much of why that's valuable or maybe I'm missing it but what do you think on that well ultimately what comes to, what it comes down to is what like take a look at the basically the smorgasbord of, op- of options in terms of what kind of things the politicians are proposing they're going to do yeah pick the things you want to see done and vote for the person who's telling them you, you that that's going to happen yeah I think you're right it's not really about I, I mean, it's nice to have someone who's eloquent yeah. when they address you. And I think someone who's someone who can speak clearly mm-hmm. can think clearly. Like, you're not going to have someone who's scattered but then delivers these off-the-cuff eloquent speeches. Yeah. Like, it's clear that Obama was a clear thinker. Definitely. Okay. So I like that. But at the same time, vote, I, vote, I would vote base my vote on who, who's, gonna, who's promising me the things that I want to see done. But that's because you vote on the party, not the politician more yeah if i were if i were a politician voter i would probably put a lot of stock into debates yeah and i i watch the debates for fun mostly yeah i just watch clips that's just of the debates so who did you watch clips um because i watched most of the first uh debate i didn't watch the last 10 20 minutes i didn't remember i don't remember the part about um him being a high performance school but i watched most of the debate mm-hmm. and you watch clips what was the sense you got from the clips so my memory's so bad, I honestly can't. If you can say a couple things that you remember, maybe I'll, I would have seen the clips. Uh, I well, can't remember the first debate that much. I'm not talking content, I'm just talking a lot of people. Like, I watched it. Trump was interrupting more, for sure. Yeah. It was, I, I remember, it just was bothersome to watch because they weren't actually saying anything. It was mm-hmm. just a bunch of interrupting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some people love that because it's hectic and chaotic, and mm-hmm. maybe that's what you need to be to be a politician, but I don't, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to hear what they had to say, and it wasn't there. No, and the thing is, is it not there because in that format it's not there, or is it not there because it's just not there with those two people? Like, it could be the case that they just don't have things. 
I don't think any of us really know to what extent the leaders are making changes happen and to what extent they're there for TV. No idea. And that's the, that's the scary part, really. Yeah, I actually have no idea. Mm-hmm. So what if these are just two kind of mouthpieces? Could be. So then is there a reason that maybe we should? Everyone should be voting for uh, the party, not the politician. But maybe they're not two mouthpieces. Mm-hmm. And the president does hold the time power. I think in the U.S. the president does hold quite a bit of power. Yeah, because I think if, if there were a more conservative, uh, if there were a more moderate conservative, or uh, sorry, Republican leader, yeah, he or she probably wouldn't have pulled out of the Paris Agreement. Yeah. Like, I think that's a Trump thing. That, uh, that's, yeah, <laughs> see, that can all be personal. Where, yeah. As in Canada, uh, our prime minister doesn't hold as much power. No, that's... Personal power, right? That's clear. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to see... I mean, I would like to see a system where any one political party is only getting 20% of the votes and you have a bunch of options. Like, I want, I want a libertarian op- option. Mm-hmm. I want a conservative, a liberal, a, like right down the middle, libertarian. I want five or six options across the political spectrum yep. so we can kind of, so everyone can kind of get a better, like there's, how many people really, how many people who have thought about each individual issue can really say that they fall on one side or the other for every issue i don't think many so how are we being served by a system that demands well, i don't think we are we kind of have multiple parties that like when we're voting here even in the provincial election like there you could be voting ndp liberal or, or green and your vote could matter to all to all three like we have your vote could what matter oh. to all three right like we have more than two true but i but I, I do agree there could be more i just don't do you think it could be possible, or will people always tend to vote to the two biggest ones because they want their vote to matter more, and well, those are the more likely ones to win? Imagine a system by which we make private advertising illegal, we take money out of politics, and we have six debates, three hours each, Okay. with six candidates, or six different parties, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. So you have, or maybe not six, like, I'm throwing out arbitrary numbers, but yeah. say you had like 10 hours of yep. well-moderated debate between six different parties. And there's no family photos, there's no paid commercials, there are no slanderous campaigns, there was, and there were, people couldn't get more time with paid average, like take the money out mm-hmm. and have decisions being made entirely on the ideas. It's a cool idea. I mean, of course, but the incentives aren't there for the people who are currently in power. Also, I don't know if a lot of people voting would want that. Mm. I think they don't want to watch 10 hours of debate. Maybe they want to hear it on the radio and, or maybe not want to, but that is the reason or the way they vote is just from what they hear around or, but I guess I'm not saying they have to listen to the debate. I'm saying people who are super into it can make their decision based on those 10 hours of debates. Okay. But I think that intrinsically, whenever you're hearing a snippet, like say when someone gives you a recap, that yeah. recap is going to follow along with their political beliefs. True. So basically what's being ha- what happening is people don't care enough and are being spoon-fed who to vote for on the radio in five minutes on the way to work. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, me too. Yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not standing outside of this criticizing it as some sort of... Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, that would be cool. But they would st- still people would have opinions on who was most likely to win. And then those opinions would sway who you're going to vote for 
because you don't want to vote for someone who's going to come third. How do you think those opinions are formed, though? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Money <laughs> or polling. I think, I think those opinions are formed largely because only two platforms are represented in the media. That's possible. Who knows? I think, mm. I mean, are you saying maybe no, we, we kind of always know? No, I think you might be right. I didn't look at it really like that. But, like, the biggest parties are going to have the most money. Oh, by far. Right. And they're going to be they're, they're going to be the only people represented. And even the biggest parties influence who gets to be even in the debates. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, hmm. Yeah. And, like, Green Party, they just, why aren't they more popular? Because they don't, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't vote for them because they don't have a very robust platform outside yeah. of um, the environmental issues. Yeah. But what if they had this? What if there was no money? What if there was no disparity between the Liberal Party of BC and the Green Party of BC in terms of funding? How people would still date from or vote from their history of voting, though? It would have to be a sudden change of forget all of the old parties hmm. and just have new ones. Because I feel like. Even if there was no money, people would remember that these were the most popular ones. Mm. And still vote. What if there were six parties? Yeah. Or again, why am I loving six? I don't six? know. You are loving six. What if there were a, like more, more parties, and the voting process was you had forty a forty question questionnaire on your phone, multiple choice. Yeah. And you could either skip that questionnaire and just vote manually, or you could take that questionnaire wow. on issues, and then it. so you answer forty questions about the issues and the algorithm calibrates what those answers are closest to and votes for that party. I wonder if there's already something out there out there like that, because that is a great idea. I kind of like it a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it makes it... Yeah, it takes all the advertising out. It just says, no, what do yeah. you believe? Yeah. But I, I mean, guess... That's how, it, I, that's how I feel you should vote. Is on, But you're going to have some things that are more important. Right? So you might have these 40 questions. Mm -hmm. But... And you might be like, oh, well, I guess you could just answer. doesn't really matter to me. Mm -hmm. And then be strict on the ones that do matter. Yeah. Hmm. That's a cool idea. And I think, I think that's where we're going to be headed with technology, with, with the convenience with which we can... Like, imagine if we instituted a system whereby there was a, a, something up for debate yeah. in the second year of, of Trudeau's office. And there was a referendum. And at 5 p.m., mm -hmm. your phone got taken over and it was this, like... Three or is this thing? Do you vote for Brexit? <laughs> do you vote for Ontario or Quebec? Yeah, uh, exiting Canada. If you're in Quebec, and yeah. you say yes or no, boom, right there, real time. There's your population. What the, what the population wants? Yeah, uh, but then you're gonna go into this whole. I don't want the government to ever be sending anything over my phone mm -hmm. and control of privacy of my time and phone and electronics mm -hmm. but they do have the system for amber alert and stuff they could and that's the thing use it. that's the thing I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the this is this is a warning yeah um i'm worried for if like we're getting onto technology and we had to call it pretty soon here but what's going to happen when little tiny recording chips are widespread you mm -hmm. can go to someone's house at a party drop a chip on the bed under the bed and record for the next 24 hours that is scary. Isn't that terrifying? It's probably already pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I bet you it is. Not really something I've thought about much. 
but that is terrifying. I mean, I have seen these things. Oh, what country was it? There was a country where, um, oh man, I can't remember, but they were going through with this person who's a professional at finding video cameras. Uh, okay. And going into uh, hotel rooms that were used as brothels. And they would go in and find 25 different video cameras in that were almost impossible to see mm. in all the, in, in a bedroom, like in all the different appliances and the lights. And, and they're like a, a pin size. And so, they're not, it's not even expensive. So someone could do that anywhere. No, that's a camera, not even a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, once it gets to the point where any 18 year old can buy it for 10 bucks. Yeah. Then you have 80 of those things at a party. Okay, 80 is a lot, but... And then, <laughs> say you host you host a gathering of 30 people. Yeah. 10 of them bug your house. I mean, yeah, I feel like you just got to be optimistic that the people won't do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Most people aren't criminals. So... What if it's not, it's not, what if it's not for horrible reasons just because they want to gossip about you? Or they want to hear what you're gossiping about them. Wow. What if it's just people who are self-conscious? And they want they want anyone talking about them. Yeah, maybe. I, I hope that's not possible, that that becomes available for $10 for an 18-year-old. Because you're right, that would be crazy. I already wonder, um, all, like all the things I've said in the, in, the, in the presence of my phone, what happens if down the road really sophisticated data mining becomes available where they can go through all the records of mm-hmm. those records or <laughs> all those records by everyone's individual phone. Yeah. And so they have some super sophisticated means of like isolating what you said. Yeah. Like already it's, we're getting kind of in that scary zone. Well, it's already scary for, I mean, that's in the news all the time now. I feel like what is um, just on the personal privacy part of, mm-hmm. especially what you type in. Right, like mm-hmm. when I was searching for a motorcycle helmet, I typed it in like one time and I had ads for it for weeks. Mm-hmm. But when it goes into what you say, it can get pretty crazy. And then there's the ideas of, well, you could stop terrorism by knowing mm-hmm. everything that people are saying or buying or doing. But at what cost? At what cost? Like, I think I'm a little extreme and think that I don't, I don't know. I don't care about my personal privacy on my phone that much. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I have a weird high trust in the government to do with that knowledge well. But I think if that changes, you know, and if you don't have high trust and it could be abused Mm -hmm. really easily. So many people, I speak to a lot of I bring this up quite a bit (laughs) and everyone says, who cares Mm -hmm. what they know about me? I'm just one person in millions. Mm -hmm. They're not going to like go looking for my information. That argument holds until you actually do something worth punishing. I mean, you You can say a phrase that instantly gets flagged, gets flagged, right? Mm -hmm. So you might be one person out of millions and they're not going to look through as soon as you say a phrase though, Mm -hmm. you're one of one or one of of 20 that said that phrase and instantly they might look it up. But I still think, like, hmm, I don't know. It's a crazy thing. And obviously people need personal privacy for the things they say and what they do on their phones. Mm-hmm. 
I think also we need to hold people less account we need, less accountable. Like, we need to hold people. We need to judge people less based on what. Like already in this conversation, I'm sure I've said a lot of things that in ten years I won't believe anymore. Yeah. And I guess I judge Biden for the same thing. But <laughs> um, yeah, we have to be able to be to say, especially if you, if it's not like if I'm if I write an argument about something like if I like think on it for days, compose this really articulate argument. Mm-hmm. maybe hold me a bit more accountable yeah. if I'm talking off the cuff about something I don't think I think people are I think we're in the height right now of holding people super accountable for everything yeah but maybe that's just because more people hear what you say you know maybe it's just because everyone's voice is amplified so there's more people judge you at any given time maybe yeah I mean the cancel culture is real mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's probably just a, I don't know. Are people? Do you think more people are PC, or do you think it's just that people are hearing what you say more? I wonder. I do. I maybe a bit of both. I think in pretty much every domain, people are. I think there's a cultural shift toward. I think here. <laughs> On each political spectrum, I think on the very, I think we, I think I discussed this with you and Brendan, but on the very progressive left wing is compassion. Yep. And the very right is, no, everyone should be held accountable and justice for everything. Okay. I think we're switching toward compassion. In our school systems, we're not demanding as much from students and we're forgiving every, forgiving behavior based on what they have lived through. And yep. in, and the same goes for policing. Yep. And the same goes in a lot of aspects. And you think it's going too far? I don't know. I, I... Increasingly, I think if I were in power, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Like I, everyone can criticize. Not everyone can propose. Yeah. There's a lot of criticisms without actual ways of fixing those problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, in, I don't know. I kind of see it with uh, safety as well. Um, I know it's a little bit of a jump, but like for like kids, uh, I think they're having less opportunities to do things that are fun because they're unsafe mm-hmm. um, or just experience things because they're unsafe or like climb up a tree. Mm-hmm. They're going to chop off all the lower uh, branches because they don't want someone to get hurt. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think things are just moving to become more bland almost and I hate the safety gone wild stuff, but mm-hmm. I think it's kind of comes with the other compassion stuff too. It's just people wanting like less problems. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And that, you know, that, that comes from how much media attention is being given to those problems. Exactly. So we're way more aware of everything's wrong. Yeah. So we perceive that the world's awful. So we take action by mitigating that. Yeah. But realistically, you kind of have to just take the risk. And any whatever whether that's yeah, I, whether that's letting your kid go out after dark. <laughs> yeah. Or whether that's letting your kid fail in school. Mm-hmm. Like take like learn. Yeah, I think a hard hard lessons need to be learned. I think people I think, I think so too. any given a lot of people will say, "Oh, no one should fail because mm-hmm. it hurts to fail." But we have to let people be hurt. I think you're. I think you're right to boil it down to safety. People don't want anyone have feel any pain. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. I think... I don't know. I was kind of imagining that I would... We would... Do we... Is there any... Um, update on the election? At the end of this? Uh, I'm probably going to try and post it tonight. That's a good idea to uh, look at. Because I'm sorry. actually super curious. Sorry, guys. We're going to quickly look up the U.S. election current results. I don't know. How... how um. Well, it's 131 to 98 for Biden, but... 270 to win? 270 to win, so it's not really anything yet. Ah, but the vote percentage is 50 to 48 for Trump? Interesting. Yeah. But I guess it was the opposite last time around. Mm -hmm. Hillary got more votes. Trump won more electoral... The swing states are all starting to go to Trump, though. Are they? Where, yeah. What are the swing states? Um, well, Arizona's Biden. Florida, Georgia are Trump. Iowa's Biden. Michigan's Trump. Mm. But this is... Most of them are only like 50%. Counted? New, New Hampshire is... Yeah, counted. New Hampshire's Biden. North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Wisconsin are all Trump. So, I don't know. I think it could still go both ways. Hmm. Are you... This will be the last question I ask you. Um, are you more scared of one? Are you are you afraid of riding and, and that sort of thing? And are you more scared of one president or one than the other? One person winning than the other in terms of the opposite leaders, followers riding? Hmm. I did hear that the National Guard was on watch or whatever, mm. that they were ready to be called in. Um I think I don't know. What what do you think? I Well, I mean, people I imagine a lot of the people who were riding I mean, riding hard to say. It's not it's not clear to what extent the people riding for Black Lives Matter were yeah. actually part of the movements or were just people who were out there to riot. But I would think that Trump winning would would yield more riots. Yeah. Um I don't know. I guess I, I, I we haven't we haven't the, the Trump supporters haven't had a reason to riot yet. So I guess we'll see. I oh, I hope there's no riots. Me too. Me too. But because at that point, but what, I think you're right. What are you, if not a tantruming child, if you riot based on the results of a democratic yeah. outcome? You're yeah. you're a child at that point. You're you're a child throwing a tantrum, and you can say however you want, but you're a child throwing a tantrum if you riot over the results of an election. Yeah, I just, I hate riots in general. I think it just makes whatever you're protesting look bad. It does. So, I don't know. I mean, the, most people that start a riot aren't really protesting the thing. They just want to riot, yeah. I feel like. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It doesn't look good. No. And I think, yeah, if Biden wins, it's unlikely there would be riots. I mean, just I guess. Because I think the expectation is more for Biden to win. I think the argument is that a lot, like the who would have more guns, Trump supporters or Biden supporters. But I, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that people are going to go out and just start shooting people if Biden wins. I, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to riot with guns. That would be a full state of disaster, emergency. It be, like, yeah, it would be like yeah. the highest level of anything of anything that's happened in our lifetimes, yeah. at least. But I mean, it's kind of close to that, and like some of the riots were possible. Some I mean, of the riots were guns. pretty serious this year. Yeah, some of the riots were pretty serious. 
Hmm. I'd like to see things diffuse. And I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that maybe when COVID analogy Joe Rogan used was that it's like road rage. So you're already driving super fast and your stress levels are already higher because you're operating this massive, dangerous piece of machinery. Yep. So then when someone cuts you off, you're more pissed. I'm kind of hoping that when COVID does that situation dissolves and resolves yeah. that people won't be so road ragey about everything that happens. I think that's almost why I want or probably the biggest re- reason I want Biden to win is just because I think things will die down. Hmm. Just because Trump's so conflicting for everybody. Whatever happens, this is probably the, the election result I'm most anticipating out of any um, U.S. election I've ever witnessed. That could be a part of our age, too, though. Good but point. I think it's probably more that is so extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think the voter turnout will show. Yeah, that. 99 million advanced voting. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. 99 million people voted before election day. What are they, like 360 million people I, or something? I think between 350 and 370 million. Wow. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. That's over That's a quarter. Cool, Actually, you know what? The last thing we'll say, what is the population of the U.S.? <laughs> so 100 million voted before election day and 328 million people. So almost oh. a third of the U.S. population voted before election day. That's incredible. That's more than that, though, if you think about it, because... A lot of those people probably can't vote. Oh, <laughs> you just blew my mind. <laughs> I bet you le- and... less than 300 million people probably can vote yeah. in the States. Yeah. A third of them already voted. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty extreme. It is extreme. I bet you, are they going to have like a 60% voter turnout? 65%? I can see it. Which is insane. Isn't in Canada, yeah, we have like round half for federal elections? Uh, I thought ours was like 40% for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's more than that. Or maybe that was something else. It could be for provincial. It might have been, yeah. Okay, the Canadian federal election voter turnout. Wow, actually. It's pretty high? It's pretty high. Um, f- nope. <laughs> Popular vote in Canada as a percentage of the total population. It looks to be around 50% in 2019. Highest turnout was in 1958. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, things have been... We haven't been in the in the glory days for a while now yeah. <laughs> in terms of voter turnout. Politics definitely aren't as hot here as to our neighbors the, to the south. Yeah, which is a shame. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. Let's not get into that. Mm-hmm. This is fun. It was fun. Thank you for having really me on fun. again. Yep. This was great. I'm sure it won't be the last time. It's good to hear. Thank you, Zach. And thank you guys for listening. Um, I will... You'll hear from me again before too long. Thanks, all. Thanks for listening, guys. That was a really fun one to record. Um, I do feel obligated to say, though, that I don't know... Take everything we say with a grain of salt, as you always should. Um... A, Wikipedia, you never, I mean, it's, Wikipedia seems pretty reliable to me, but you never know. And B, because I made a pretty big error. In my conversation with Zach, I talk about Trump's dad dying in the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. However, it was actually Trump's grandpa, Friedrich, not his dad, Fred. Um, big difference. It's, it's Trump's, uh... First of all, I can't believe that I thought Trump was born in, before 1918. Uh, that was just a total, total 
brain fart. In any case, yeah, it was Trump's grandpa who died from the pandemic. I mean, still have a family member die, but it was before uh, Trump was born. So not as, not as close to Trump as I originally thought. In any case, thanks for listening and we'll talk soon.